Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons only on The Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Thursday afternoon on the show today. We'll come back from vacation and talk some Texas versus Washington as we get closer and closer to game day, what we've all been waiting for for a month now. We'll get to all that. We'll get into some audio from PK. Pete Kwiatkowski talked to the media this morning about uh, Texas Longhorns and facing his former team, the Washington Huskies. Get into some other college football talk, a bunch of bowl games happening uh, around the country as we get closer and closer to the the New Year's Day bowl games. Uh, We'll get a little NBA talk in there. Two teams making sales right now, going to both of those. A lot of NFL talk. We weren't here all week, so we'll get into recap of some of the weekend games, get you start ready for tonight uh, against Thursday night football. It's going to be a fun time as we get there. We'll keep it going, too, with you guys on the text line. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. So the more you text in, the more we'll go back to the text line and we'll talk to you, whether it's questions, comments, concerns. If you want to talk about Texas versus Washington, then keep texting in about Texas versus Washington and what you think and your hot takes and and what do you think is going to be happening in the game or what your questions are, what your concerns are? Send those in, and we'll get to all those. Of course, we'll do the uh, big fat poll of the day here in a little bit as well. If you want to talk Cowboys, we'll talk Cowboys or Texans. We'll get into all of that here on the Sports Complex today. I hope everybody had a good holiday. We had a good break, was able to get off for a few days and enjoy some downtime, hang out with the dog, hang out with the family, uh, had a good time. Got got plenty of whiskey, which is always a a great gift to give me on a on a holiday. Some more whiskey, so I'll, I'll be set at least through January. I'll be set through January with the the whiskey I got. But yeah, uh, very good time with the family. I hope everybody there did. If you want to text in the best present you got or you gave, I did get some Texas stuff too. You know, my parents still have to. You know, they're 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 happy that Texas is in uh, the. Uh, the uh, playoffs as well. They are both Texas grads, so they are they are looking forward to the game as well. So they had to make sure to get me some Texas stuff to so that I would be ready to go. Because I know I don't go out and spend money on on many things, so they they had to go get it for me. 
Love them very much. Uh, we appreciate it. So if you have a good gift you gave and a great reaction or a good gift you got this uh, this holidays, please send that in on the text line. We'll talk about that. But we're, we want to get into some Texas uh, football. I do want to mention this up top because we're going to get into the bowl games after we talk some Texas. But there is a story that came out today that we I just want to get off. Let's just start it. Let's just start it and and get it out of the way before we get too far into the show. That Florida State and the players and they're they're talking as they're getting ready for their bowl game and as they continue to uh, you know prepare and and really continue their their complaint and we got screwed world tour that they've been doing where they're. They're leading the way, trying to get out of the ACC uh, with the with the, using the fact they didn't get in. But it's not really that. They just realized that they signed a bad deal, and they're trying to use this and go, "Oh, we got we got screwed because the ACC. So now you need to get us out of this contract where we're going to lose a lot of money." They're using it, but it's not. It has nothing to do with. I mean, like I'm sure it has something to do with it, but in reality, this is much more about money. And they just they realize they signed a bad deal, so they're trying to get out of it now. Uh, and, and it's stupid because they were, they were not, they were not the team that was going to be leading the way, but as soon as they got good, now they want a better deal, but they don't want to renegotiate if they're a bad team and they're not drawing money, but that's neither here nor there. But they then came out today and have said, if they are the only undefeated team, which is assuming a lot, cause they still have to beat Georgia. And I know Georgia's going to be missing players, but Florida state's missing a lot of players too. And of course they're missing Jordan Travis, which is the reason why they're not in a college football playoff game. But if they're missing if they went out, they beat Georgia and Michigan and uh, Washington are to lose, then they are saying that we that Florida State will be the de facto national champions because they're the only undefeated team. That's crazy. And the fact that they are talking about hanging a banner for all this, this is not because these are the things you need to realize if you're Florida State. And I know for the players, it sucks, man. But if you're Florida State and you're the administration – you need to realize that recruits are coming in three, four years are going to see that, and they're not going to react the way you think they are. Recruits will come in, in a few years, and maybe next year it won't be as big of a deal, but the years after that, when Florida State's trying to get to a new level and they look up at that banner and go, hey, remember that year you didn't win anything and said you did? It's not a great look. It's not really, and I get that this is all talk before the game, and I, I don't think they're going to be Georgia for what we saw Louisville do. That Louisville game seems like a real misnomer that they were any good that they were able to beat Louisville. So I, I this all seems to be leading to Florida State uh, losing to Georgia and then having to shut out their mouth, but they, they're not going to. Uh, but let's get out of the way. That's all silliness to start the show. Silliness that Florida State says they want to hang a banner and say they're, they're the de facto national champions if Washington and Michigan both lose and they're the last undefeated team. Uh, you guys, that's not a good look. You guys, I don't know if the, how many teams have gone from everyone felt bad for you to now so few people feel bad for you because you can't just let it go and you can't just say, oh, you know, actually there is a point. We understand the point you made. There is a valid other argument. We, we don't agree with it, but there's a, at least a valid argument. It's in the rules. You could say that. Maybe we'd be back a little on your side, but we're not going to be. Uh, let's get into some talk about Washington and Texas, though. Uh, PK spoke to the media today, so we're going to focus more on the defense today. Tomorrow on Friday's show, we will get more into the offense and the matchup that we will see of 
you know, Texas' real big strength, the offense and all the weapons, against a more a bigger weakness for Washington in the defense. They do have a decent defense, but not quite the level of what uh, Texas' offense is. And on the other side of the ball, we'll talk about today, is Texas' defense versus Washington's offense, where Texas does have some heavy strengths in this defense. And I think that you're going to see a little bit about how this matchup does scare some people, but maybe it shouldn't scare you as much as it does. That Texas does have some benefits on the defensive end of the football, and we can start right now. Well, PK, we'll give you the opening statement from PK, and, and PK, if you get there's, he's not a head coach in offensive in the offensive defensive coordinator. Sometimes uh, not giving you the best answers, but PK's you know he's going out. None of these are that long, so we won't go too long on any of them. But uh, PK's opening statement today, talking about getting ready for the bowl game. Hi, uh, good morning. Well, obviously, we're uh, very excited to be here, you know, starting um, last January after our season got done. You know, the guys go back to work and the guys put in a lot of a lot of time and energy to get to this point. And uh, obviously very excited to be here and um, obviously playing a, a quality opponent and um, who, we, uh, who I have a history with and um, who uh, the team has a history with from uh, facing them last year. And so we're all excited to uh see what we can uh, put out there um, on the field and um, see if we can uh, play like we, we have played uh, all, all year long. So nothing too special in the opening, but uh, PK kind of going into this is a big game and this is against a Washington team that he has a lot of history with. And I think he wants to prove something. And it's kind of a common thread we saw with a lot of the players when they spoke to the media last week uh, that we saw it with. You know, we've seen it with Sark talking about it a little bit. PK talks about it in this game. That there is not only familiarity that's coming from this game, but I think especially this defense and the offense to a point, the running back room for sure in the offensive line, these D and all O lines want to show up in this game because they want to get the bad taste out of their mouth of last year. They've they've exercised a lot of demons this season, uh, being able to go in and take care of business, not beat everybody but Oklahoma. Uh, and the Big 12 on the way out, which you're going to be playing Oklahoma again. So, you know, you, you don't need to necessarily exercise that demon. It would have been nice to win that game because you would have been able to get into this college wall playoff much easier that way. But you got to where you need to be in the end anyway. But Texas, for them to be able to come back and, and avenge themselves from the bowl game last season, that they really felt like they didn't get a good shake in, that they weren't ready to go, that they maybe weren't in the best position mentally, and it seemed like Sark wasn't in the best position mentally, and so talking some of the players talked about it, that they kind of want to come back and set the record right with Washington, that they don't feel like they should have lost the game last year, and they want to show that they are a better team than this Washington team, and getting another chance to do it and in a big setting, they're looking forward to it. One of the things that's really different this year than last on the defense, to give you a little bit more hope about what this team did uh, against Washington last season in the Alamo Bowl, what Texas has done this season differently overall, because this is a different defense than last season. Texas is a much better third-down defense this season. They're much better in the money downs this season and getting guys off the field especially once you start to get them down the field. And once they get a little bit closer, now they may not be as great down when they're worried about the deep shot. And when they, you know, when the other team's on their own 20, they may be sitting back a little bit further on that to make sure that they don't get bitten over the top. 
But as the field starts to compress a little bit and they feel like the safeties aren't going to get beat over the top on a 60-yard throw or something like that, then the defense really starts to shore up and they really good on money downs. Here's PK talking about the third down defense and its improvement and how he got the team to focus on getting those third down stops to get them off the field. Um, well, it starts with we've made an emphasis because we weren't as good uh, last year um, in, on third down. So it was a huge emphasis in the offseason uh, through camp and all season long. And then at the end of the day, you know, we, we designed the, the defenses and the calls. And then the guys have just done a great job of executing all year long. Um, they understand the importance of it and obviously take a lot of pride in it. And um, um, the results um, are what they are. So you get that third down defense and you are able to step up a bit more on those money downs. You're able to play a little bit tighter defense on those third downs to be able to stop teams and, and really slow them down and get them to punt the ball, maybe kick a field goal, but keep them out of the end zone. It's another thing PK said in this a couple times was the goal is not always to stop everything. It's about getting them, getting them out, not keeping them out of the end zone. That's really his main concern is there's going to be field goals, but I know what Sark's idea of offense is on the other end. And as long as I keep the ball out of the end zone, I should be okay with that. Sark, uh, our PK, did talk today to do uh, too about the secondary and something that he was asked about the secondary a few times in this press conference because you know it is a it's concern for a lot of Texas player or a lot of Texas fans that the secondary has allowed some big numbers so far this season. Now, I think that there's some you know game planning that uh, PK can do in this to really kind of slow them down, especially, again, once we get into that the ball in the 40 or so where you're allowed to push those or you're able to push those safeties up just a little bit more, which means you're allowed to let their, your DBs play a little bit more of that bump coverage and try and play press, where if you play in press on the 20-yard line, there's a really good shot they're going to take a – a uh, deep shot on you, so you just got to be careful about it when you're trying to play press coverage and and trying to play bump and run and and try and knock them off timing, which you want to do in this game. You definitely want to try and knock them off of timing because the more you can knock this this Washington team off of their timing routes and you know on go routes especially to throw it off, that Michael Penix has to watch the route a little bit longer. He has to take his eyes and follow through his progression just a little bit longer to give your defense a chance to get home, you want to do that as much as you can. But your secondary has to hold for you to be able to do that. So your your defense either has to play really good coverage where they're on it, and Michael Penix Jr. has to sit and watch and watch and watch, or you have to bump them and get them off the timing so he has to clutch that ball one time or two times to figure out where he's going to be and where he can put that ball. But, but PK did say he has confidence in this secondary. He said that he's, he, he has no problem with this secondary. Here's PK talking about his confidence in the secondary after a month off of getting prepared and getting healthier. Oh, definitely. Um, we don't, you don't get to this spot without um, – guys showing that they can do it um you know and everything's everything gets talked about the the pass defense and yeah we'd like to be better in that um but at the end of the day it comes there's a lot more to it than just that right um we've been great against the run we've been good in the red zone we've been good on third down and and the the situations that matter that get it they that 
gets the ball back for the offense, we've been able to execute and, and perform. Um, so I, I, know, I know the guys have the confidence to do it, and um, they're fired up for this challenge because we're going to be playing a lot of talented, very talented, good receivers, and um, can't wait to, to get out there and see what, see what we can do. PK was also asked about, you know, when you talk about the secondary, the comebacks and teams being able to fight back into games by throwing the ball on Texas. And and I think he has a good response in this, that, it, you know, there isn't one reason why that happened. We can look at each game individually and see why it happened. But we do know that defenses were able to our offenses were able to pass on this defense many times late in games. Here's PK kind of trying to bounce around the question of uh, allowing comebacks. The late, I, I don't know, I guess you're, you're referring to yeah, a lot of it's big plays, right? And <laughs> whether it's a coverage coverage bust or guys in position, it just doesn't make a play on the ball. Um, you know, and then some of it is tackling, you know. It's a short, short throw, and we don't get them on the ground. And then it goes from a five-yard gain to a 20-yard gain. And so, um, I don't, you can't just pinpoint it on one thing. Um, maybe we gave him too much time on plays and quarterbacks around there scrambling around and can't cover forever. So um, it's not just one thing. Um, I just know, I know the guys in their heart and their, and they believe they, they can uh, play at a high level and um, it's football. They have good, they have scholarship players and they have good athletes. And so as much as teams throw, um, and teams are going to get, get yards. As long as they don't get in the end zone, we're, we're good with it. And that's it. Teams are going to get yards as long as they don't get in the end zone. But they were getting in the end zone. They were getting the big plays he mentioned as well. And some of that is turnovers that Texas had to allow people to get into the game. There, there's a number of different things that allowed this team to or allowed other teams to get back on Texas. And it's something that in this game the defense has to worry about because what we've seen of this defense when they look really, really good late in the season was they were playing with a lead where they were able to play bend but don't break defense and were able to allow teams to kind of pick up yardage and to go. And, you know, you can talk about how they're not great against the hurry up. Luckily, Washington doesn't play a ton of hurry up offense. Uh, they're not a super uh, fast team. They're one of the slower teams normally. Now, they may break tendency. Because Kalen DeBoer does like to break tendency. They may break tendency and try and do hurry up. They got a month to prepare for it. So there's a decent enough chance they may make an effort to do hurry up in this game at least a few times to throw Texas off to change the rhythm and change the, the mindset of this defense. That may happen in this game very easily because Kalen DeBoer is a really good coach. And, you know, breaking tendency is something you got to do in games, and he may do that. Uh, but if we look at something that really hurts Texas teams, is that hurry up. They're not going to have that so much to worry about. But if this Washington team does have a lead, they maybe get a turnover or whatever it is, and in the second half are up seven or up, you know, you really hope they're not up double digits. But if they're up two scores and are trying to just run the clock, that's where Texas needs to worry because that's where you can run those bunch formations for Washington. That's where you can run those little inside slants. And then Texas has to take chances. Texas has to play closer up on you because you cannot allow first down after first down. And it's something that Kalen DeBoer has said about Texas and about Sark uh, that they've said before that they don't believe that Texas is going to – that Sark has the the patience to march down a field slowly. And I think he's shown much more of that this season. 
He's shown much, much more of that ability to not just take a big shot and march down. But this is what they said last year at the Alamo Bowl. So I, I think but that's really true for a lot of coaches that it, it's hard to just do that. I don't think they're going to try and do that all game long. I think if you see Michael Penix Jr. and, and this and Kale Nabor and this, this Washington offense, they're going to take shots on Texas. So you have to play a little bit further back to not allow those big plays to get on top of you. But when if you're getting in a position where you're down – in the second half of this game and have to step up, that's something you're going to worry about with Texas is they look really good when they're the front runner and they're able to give you the bend but don't break defense. But you can't bend but don't break defense when you're down and need to get the ball back. They also talk about forcing turnovers today. That's something else that Texas is going to be looking at. Uh, But something that is very important for this Texas team to get into in this Washington game and to disrupt. We talked about the press coverage and trying to bump receivers at the line of scrimmage to try and throw off timing as much as possible to try and change up the view for Michael Penix. So sometimes you're going to bump, sometimes you'll step back, but you really get on top of him at the five or six, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine yards in to not allow that pass to be thrown right where they want it to get thrown. You're going to try and change up how you do that. But then on the other side of that is pressuring Michael Penix. You have to be able to pressure Penix because if you can't pressure him, then it doesn't matter how long you bump him or how much you throw him off. If he has time to throw, then he'll be able to get it downfield, and he's really good at that. Now, he's not a huge runner. He has more yards. He's actually negative rushing this year because of the yards for sack, uh, and he hasn't been sacked many times either with this offensive line. So how do you get to him? Here's PK talking about getting to Michael Penix. Um, so... Trying to get to uh, Penix, he does. He does a, obviously the offensive line does a good job of protecting, but he does. It goes hand in hand. Um, you know, when the quarterback gets rid of the ball on time um, and is in rhythm, it's you're not going to get there. So, uh, from a from a defensive perspective, the coverage and the and the rush they go hand in hand. Um, most of the sacks that we, that we've gotten or anybody gets is because. The coverage um, forces the quarterback to hold it, right? confuse them, right? or quarterbacks trying to do more um, with it than um, they should. And then, because rarely, rarely do we get um, blowaways, right? Where guys just, you know, unless they bust the protection. And the uh, the Washington offensive line does a really good job. They're very athletic. They do a good job um, working together. Um, obviously communicate very well, and um, they don't they don't they don't bust very much. And so, yeah, we got a we got a huge challenge for, in front of us. Yeah, it's a big challenge to get to Michael Penix because not a lot of people have done it, and they have three really good wide receivers that are going to be able to get out there. And if one of them's off timing, he may be able to jump through and just pass and go to the next guy. They have five targets that they don't mind using, but three really good, probably playing on Sunday wide receivers. Uh, But that does bring us to the big fat poll of the day. Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the horn. Big fat poll of the day today. Text line 512-447-3776. We talk about needing to get to Penix, needing to throw them off of their timing, needing to throw them in the disarray then we have to look at blitzing Michael Penix. And how do you bring pressure onto Michael Penix? Now, you can bring a rush where it's just your four guys on the line of scrimmage and and you're trying to rush and hoping that Ethan Burke gets home or hoping you get pressure up the middle 
with the Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. Now those two guys are going to be huge in this game, not only because you're going to want them to stop Dylan Johnson and slow down that run game to make them throw the ball more and make them throw on passing downs, which they like, or throw on running downs, which they like to do as much as anyone else in football. They'll throw the ball all day. Now Dylan Johnson lets them get into favorable downs that are running downs that then they throw the ball on and confuses defense. If you continue to push them and keep them into passing downs, it lets you, as an offense or a defense, then be able to pl- game plan them much easier and call plays against them much easier. If Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy slow down Dylan Johnson, that he's not able to get out and make big plays downfield and not be able to get yardage, and it's now a second and nine and a third and ten, or you know, you're able to hold him back and hit him behind the line of scrimmage and get him to you know a third and twelve, something like that, then you're putting Washington on first and second and third down into passing downs and standard passing downs where they can't break tendency where they're gonna throw the ball and you know it, you're able to bring a little bit more pressure, and that's where you're gonna see Anthony Hill come out and bring a blitz instead of just a regular rush. And so I don't know if you're gonna blitz a ton early in downs, you may. I don't know if we'll see that or not, but you may. But we'll see that you bring the pressure. I think Jalen Ford is a huge factor in this game as well because Jalen Ford being able to cover the run, being able to stand back and, and on passing downs and be helpful in coverage and not necessarily blitzing, but making sure that he's doing enough everywhere else that Anthony Hill is more free to blitz in this game. I think that's going to be big, but this is the poll of the day, 512-447-3776. A poll of the day, how often do you want to blitz against Washington? Give me a percentage. Give me a, uh, you know, uh, do you want to do it a lot? You can say a lot, some, you know, let's just do it on, you know, third and longs. How often do you want to blitz? Not rush. Rush is when we're just bringing the four. When do we want to blitz and bring somebody else? And I'm not even talking just exotic blitzes because exotic blitzes are a little bit harder against a Washington with so many guys that uh, can catch the ball. It's a little bit harder to bring a safety or a DB or someone who doesn't normally blitz. But just bring a blitz. Just bring in a linebacker, Put it, maybe putting in a, a wider package and bringing in another lineman or somebody. Just bring in more than four guys on the rush. Really blitzing at this team, trying to get some pressure on Michael Penix, trying to throw them off, trusting, putting your your secondary in coverage. How often do you want to see that in this game? 512-447-3776. So I think if you can get to Michael Penix, he hasn't been on the ground much. If you're able to put him down or if you're able to make him force throws even, if you're making him trying to throw on the run and try and scramble and try and get out, if you can bring pressure up the middle, that it makes him spread out, and then a linebacker is able to get to him, a Jalen Ford or or a Trill Carter or a uh, an Anthony Hill. Somebody's able to get to him on the outside because of the pressure up the middle, and he can't step up into that pocket. Those types of plays could really change this game for the Texas defense. Tell us on the text line, 512-447-3776. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, We'll get into some more Texas, uh, some more college football bowl games. Texas State got their first bowl game and their first bowl win. We'll talk a little bit about the games that happened yesterday. There is a game tonight that is a big game, the Alamo Bowl that Texas and Washington played in last year. We'll get into all that. A little NBA talk as well. All when we come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Shh. 
Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Thursday afternoon, back from holiday, hanging out with everybody, getting ready for the Sugar Bowl on Monday. If you haven't heard, we'll be doing a pregame on Monday, so the shows will be off on Monday, celebrating New Year's Day, but 4 to 7 p.m., so basically when we'll be doing the show anyway, I will be up here. Uh, uh, Rob Baber is going to be joining me in the studio. Aaron Hogan is going to be in New Orleans, uh, getting you ready, 4 to 7 pregame show on Monday for uh, the... Big Sugar Bowl playoff game for the Longhorns. We'll get you ready for that. And then uh, I believe I'm going to be joining uh, E and Rod B, hook them up on Tuesday morning, uh, talking about the game and recapping the game and going through a big five-hour recap on Tuesday morning as well. But all that coming up for you. Uh, We are playing, of course, Sugar Songs. We only got one day this week to play music. So, so, you know, we'll do a 512 Friday tomorrow. But, uh i play some sugar songs for you, you know, to get you ready for that sugar bowl since that's what we're all waiting for. Text lines open 512-447-3776 is the text line. When you get to the Patrick's Big Fat Poll, uh, get to those answers here in just a minute. We are asking you how often do you want to blitz against Washington? If you're the coach, if you're PK, how often are you calling those blitz and sending another guy, sending a linebacker, putting in a heavy lineup and, and trying to send another uh, defensive end, trying to get pressure. How often are you going to sacrifice your secondary to try and get after Michael Penix? How often are you going to do that if it's your choice? How often do you want to blitz the quarterback? Are you trying to, you know, you going to up it more than you did this year? Go about what you, I mean, if you could say we're just going to do the same game plan, or do you say, you know, maybe this is, uh, you got to break tendency and really go hard at this Washington team. Tell us on the text line, 512-447-3776. Anything else you want to talk about? Questions, comments, concerns, what we always say here. Uh, you guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some other games that happened uh, while we were off in college football. I'll uh, we'll mention real quickly, Texas State did handle business 45-21 to against Rice. Uh, they should have. They won the turnover battle 6-0. to zero. Five interceptions and a recovered fumble for Texas State, that is a path to victory in pretty much any football game. Uh, they ran for 148 yards as well, so we're able to control the clock. Uh, this is their first ball game, first win, and first time to drink a stadium out of beer on their side of the stadium, which you know it's great when you have to go to the other side and they just like hit a couple stands and you have to keep going. Like I, I, I've been where I drank my particular beer out. I don't know if they, if they had a lot. I guess I'm guessing that they thought, well, it's a bowl game. Don't buy too much because this is the last event you're going to have for a while. So you don't want all the beers. You know, you can't, you're not going to bring it out again next year and serve people skunky beer. So, you know, we only want to, you know, bring so much beer. They apparently, the Texas State fans, not a shocker, on brand. But I, I'm telling you, if you're a bowl game now, if you're a concessions person next season, you want to get Texas State to where you're at. You want to get them and get all your beer drinking. Uh, you know, that's, look, I think if you're, it's a great, it's a, it's great if you're, if you're a beer company. You want to go check out Texas State, what they've done. G.J. Kinney has done for that team. Uh, great work for Texas State to handle Rice uh, handily in that game. 
uh, was a fun one to watch for Texas State to get that win. And they they must have been celebrating pretty good. I don't know, though. Like I've, I've drank a lot of beer in my day, so I know that you know once you get to drinking enough beer, then you know you're not even you don't even really feel it too much until you know you got to keep going, and then in the game it's hard because you got to get up and go, and then you know you're then you got to start peeing, and then it's a pee, and then go wait in line, and then they drank all the beer, so you got to go to the next stand. I think they probably the after party was probably more fun, you know, considering they drank it out of all the beer. Good job, Texas State people. Good job, Bobcats. Uh, that's a solid win for Texas State on the field and off. Uh, another interesting game, Louisville gets routed by USC. They tr- try to make it a game in the second half, but Miller Moss, Miller Moss, who had not played the guy behind Caleb Williams, the guy that everybody thought. So, so many of these games we're seeing quarterbacks that have not played all season getting thrown into these bowl games as quarterbacks are transferring or going pro or whatever's happening. And some are playing okay, and some are doing, you know, okay jobs at different things, and some are just getting completely blown out and having terrible games. Not the case for Miller Moss. Six touchdowns. Six touchdowns. A it's a record for the bowl game. It's a record for USC in bowl games. Six passing touchdowns, getting whatever he wanted on this Louisville defense that Brock Lynn couldn't do anything against Florida State. That you were, oh, that. You know, we we barely won that game, but it was because Louisville's defense was so good. They allowed 42 points to USC. They could only put up 28 against a not great defense at USC that everybody else went over. The running back for Louisville does have 161 yards. It didn't matter. They weren't able to throw the ball at all on USC. Running back also had five receptions, 42 yards. Isaac Garindo uh, had a really good game. Didn't mean anything, though. So if you're Florida State, you can save it with the We Should Be National Champions even your ACC title game. The ACC was just down this year. It was just down. That's why you're undefeated. You're undefeated because you were a conference that was very down this year. Clemson's down. UNC's down. Louisville's down. And you got ranked because they, they figure that your conference isn't bad. And I can tell you the ACC's doing okay in bowl games. They played in the most bowl games of any uh, Power 5 conference so far. They're doing okay in bowl games. Not Louisville last night. Did not help out the Florida State case that they deserve to be in the games. They beat Louisville. Does not help that case one bit. Texas A&M versus Oklahoma State in the Texas Bowl in the Little Brothers. And it's great they call it the Texas Bowl, too. because It's just telling them. It's like, hey, guys, <laughs> you guys are – I know you're both in Texas, but this is the Texas Longhorns. Are, you do They own you. They own you right now. Uh, of course, Jalen Henderson goes down early in this game. I believe the second play, Jane, uh, Jane Henderson goes down. Uh, and first or second play, he goes down. Michael Reed comes in. Marcel Reed comes in, uh, throws for 361, one touchdown and one rushing touchdown. Has a decent game for AM. They feel really good about him after that game, but they still lose to Oklahoma State. Alan Bowman throws for 402 yards on this team. They are, you know, without a coach. They're without their, you know, Jimbo Fisher is gone. He was fired. They're, uh, you know, a lot of players transferred out of AM. So they had a lot of lacking areas. They not much. Uh, believe that they were going to win. I, I, they were an early favorite in this game, but I think people kind of caught on that Oklahoma State was just going to be a better team. They did slow them down in the second half enough that they weren't able to go and blow them out. But yes, Oklahoma State wins the game 31-23, to and A&M does not have a very good season. Again, shockingly, they did not have a very good season again. Uh, and then finally, the game tonight that we want to talk about, Arizona, number 14 Arizona, takes on number 12 Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl last year. So it was Texas and Washington. In a game that Texas was just able, not able to get off the ground in, Bijan and Roshan were gone, and it showed. 
For Arizona versus Oklahoma, you may see some things, some of the same from Oklahoma where this team, Jeff Levy loses, leaves to go to Mississippi State, take the head coaching job at Mississippi State, and a lot of players walk out just like he did. And uh, we know Dylan Gabriel, of course, has gone to Oregon. And after that, we've seen wide receivers walk out. We've seen offensive linemen walk out. We've seen running back. We've seen everybody on that offensive side take a hike. They're, you know, their defense is still okay. Brett Venables is still there. Uh, he's going to keep the defense kind of in check. But the offense, they lost the offensive coordinator that a lot of these guys came to play for. And so they have all walked away. You now have a new offensive coordinator. You have a new possible scheme and a new players going up against an Arizona team that's that's going around regularly putting up 450 yards in 30 points a game. Now that's against Pac-12 teams. I don't know if they're going to put that up against a Big 12 defense, but they, they might if they continue to get the ball on turnovers, if they continue to get the ball on punts. They may put up a big number against this Oklahoma team. It is 442 on a Thursday, and Oklahoma does still suck. It does believe that because uh, I do not believe Oklahoma's got much of a shot in the game tonight. Uh, quick recap. I don't have the game. It's currently going on, ranked in here. Uh, but just to keep you up on Power 5, in case anybody wants to know uh, where we're scorecarding it to kind of give a judge of how the conferences are looking in bowl games, no one's standing out too much. Big Ten's looking pretty good. 2-0 and for Big Ten. They have not lost. They may be losing Rutgers in Miami. I haven't looked at that score in a minute. Uh, they're currently in the game Rutgers in Miami. Uh, ACC is 4-3. and Big 12, 4-1. and Looking pretty good in their uh, quest to uh, win the bowl season for the Big 12. They're looking pretty good. Pac-12 is 2-2, two and two, and the SEC is 0-1. Oh the SEC is really in a world of a lot of later games. They have some good teams, and their bad teams are bad and their good teams are good and so they haven't played a ton of games ACC a lot of those teams uh were okay this season because there wasn't a ton of competition in the ACC little talk about the NBA before we go to break uh the Mavs have uh finalized their sale everything is done Mark Cuban has sold the team to the Las Vegas Sands ownership uh however he is saying that he is still the controlling partner of the controlling of the basketball operations the Mavs, the Las Vegas Sands people will be taking over some other operations. One of the big reasons for this sale was because there needs to be a new building built for the Mavs. They feel, you know, we saw the leaking and the, Air, the American Airlines Center is just not doing what they needed to do. They'd like to bring up uh, a newer building for this this Mavs team. And I don't think Mark Cuban wanted to put a ton of his own money into that project. I don't think he necessarily wanted to deal with trying to go do the political route as well and getting his hands all dirty trying to go into the politics of getting the votes to, you know, how much of this can get funded. He decided this is the right time for me to get out. Uh, I'll still own a minority share in the team, which is still more than some other owner, some teams own their, their majority owners that the teams are so split. So he has a little bit more than that, but uh, he says he's still taking over basketball operations, but did say the other day when this went through, that's, he may not have final say anymore that, of course, the final say is go to the new governors, as they call them in the NBA, which leads you to believe that this may not be a long-term uh, solution as he is going to keep trying to win. But if they don't win, it seems like he is now a guy that could easily be scapegoated in the next few years, uh, especially if Luca decides he wants to demand a trade. That would probably mean the end of Mark Cuban being necessarily being the guy in charge of all the basketball decisions if that were to come. But hopefully... Luca does not do that. Hopefully, they're able to keep him going. Getting guys like Derek Lively is a good step forward. Uh, Josh Green, if he continues to progress, but you know Kyrie Irving, we got to see he's been injured a lot. You know he doesn't play a lot. 
Uh, he makes sure he is healed 100%. I don't blame him for that, but he does. Uh, and so when he comes back, that'll help them out. Uh, and Luca, by the way, we'll get into that in a minute, out tonight. Uh, also, there was a story came through today that Glenn Taylor is going to finish his selling uh, the Timberwolves to Mark Lore and A-Rod. Mark Lore is a money guy. A-Rod's got a ton of money, too. He's kind of the more the, the face of the operation. Mark Lore is a is much more of a financial mogul. Uh, they bought into the team in 2021 with the goal to completely take over the team by 2023. They're running out of time in 2023. The deal is set up for it to be in 2023, so they have to finish this uh, by December 31st. So they finally said, okay, we're going to do it. We got the money. We're ready to go and finalize the sale. T-Wolves fans have got to be ecstatic. Glenn Taylor is not a very beloved figure, even though he brought the team there and has done some good things for Minnesota. Uh him and Kevin Garnett have a very tumultuous relationship where it's sometimes good and sometimes bad. The treating of Flip Saunders uh, is part of that. So I think Timberwolves fans are excited to get into new ownership and maybe some new perspective into building this team. As they're not that far away, they got some really good players in Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and now Rudy Gobert. That's starting that experiment. is starting to work in Minnesota. However, there is still some time to build on that project. Uh, one more thing before we take a break. Uh, we'll talk about the games tonight. We'll try and hit that a little bit later in the show. But uh, the Pistons, if you have not seen, are still losing. Still losing. They are now uh, losers of 27 straight. They play the Celtics tonight. But this Celt- this Pistons team has now lost 27 straight games. They are falling into the category with the Spurs, who are a four-loss team or a four-win team. The Wizards are a five-win team. Uh, of teams, and it's starting to bring out this this problem in the NBA right now that we're seeing more and more. Uh, and the question is, how do you bring yourself out of a tank? And for these teams, like this, the Pistons, they're having a real hard time reforming culture onto a team that was trained to do the wrong thing in the clutch. That's how you tank, is you pull guys out in the clutch. You take away one of the most important things to learn, which is how to close games defensively, offensively, how to get your feet and your time underneath you to play aggressively at the end of games. It's not just offense. A lot of these teams, if you watch them, it's not a problem of scoring at the end of the game. You can say, well, they only scored 7 out of 10 times at the end of the game. The reality is you, you 70% is pretty good. The problem is you're allowing 90% on the other end and the other teams are starting to pull away. And those are the problems that these teams, that the Wizards, that the Spurs, and the Pistons are having in the games where they could be able to win. They're just not able to close these games out because defensively they're just allowing too many points to be scored. And it's the mindset of we need to score to win versus we need to play defense to win. And we know it's changed in in college basketball. It's changed around in so much stuff that so many of these players are the star players who weren't forced to play defense at a high level, and then they go and they're all on one team. And you get a guy like even uh, you know on the Spurs, you get guys that are supposed to be better defenders, but they're just not being able to pull out the stops. They're not running full court in the fourth quarter with five minutes to go. They're not running and being the first guys back on defense to reset and not allow teams to get them in mismatches. They're so worried about the offense and, and every possession of offense. They're not getting back and stopping these teams from getting back on them and the losing mindset because of the training in those last minutes of how they, how hard those last minutes in NBA games are has really come back to bite these teams at the end of the season. And now they don't have them. You're going in and losing 27 straight games. Now, some dates to notice for those Pistons. If they do not win, 
against anybody that they're in, upset anybody. They do play the Spurs on January 10th and the Wizards on January 15th. So it could go till then, and then we'll see if one of those teams gets the dubious honor of losing to the Pistons and snapping this historic losing streak of the Pistons. But this tanking method, if you watch what they're doing in the Spurs right now, in the Wizards, and the Wizards didn't even really tank as much. They just weren't good for a lot of years. May scare you off of tanking, maybe a little. We see Orlando is kind of starting to figure it out. They got draft pick after draft pick after draft pick, made some good pickups, and it took Balabancaro to come in and play at a really high level, and then he couldn't even do it his first year. He couldn't get them to win games, and now he's finally starting to get them, and they're now in the playoff picture. So that's a hope, but that's a four- or five-year turnaround, and that means that the Pistons are still two or three years away from that. It means the Spurs are four years away from being a decent team. I don't think that's what anybody wants to see in San Antonio. But we'll see if they continue to go. They've changed up the lineup again in San Antonio and moved Keldon Johnson to the starting uh, to the bench to try and shore up this second team so that they're not constantly getting the uh, they're not up in the first quarter and then down in the second, then down in the third, and then trying to come back in the fourth. They're fighting that off right now. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We come back. Poll of the day. Poll of the day. How often would you like to see the Texas Longhorns blitz the Washington Huskies in the Sugar Bowl? How often do you want to see them bring extra pressure? Try and throw this off. You're going to have to take somebody out from another assignment to do this. That's the that's the scary part. You can't just constantly blitz. We're not talking about rushing. We're talking about blitzing. We're talking about giving a chance that Dylan Johnson breaks one and gets 15 yards, 20 yards. You're talking about a chance taking somebody out of that secondary and they get a pass over the middle and break one and they miss a tackle and you take your linebackers and put them in weird positions. How often do you want to see that blitz happen? Anything else you want to talk about Texas football, send those in, 512 512- 447-3776 is the text line right here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app, hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on the Horn. Step inside, walk this way, you and me, babe. Back on the sports complex here on the horn. Uh, playing some sugar songs. You knew this one had to play. You know, it had to play. I didn't necessarily want to play, but it had to play. With some sugar on me. Uh, back here on the sports complex. Got a couple minutes here before let's get to some text. Text lines open 512 447 3776. How often do you want to blitz if you are Texas? Anything else you want to talk Texas football? Cowboys? We're going to get some NFL in the next hour as well. Basketball? Any of that, text that in. We'll talk about it. Uh, text here says, uh, I want to blitz just the right amount, Goldilocks says. 
Uh, yeah, if we could just nail that down, if we get the just the right amount, that would be a great look uh, for this Texas team. But that's the question, is what is the right amount? You know, this is going to be a difficult game to kind of judge that out. You don't want to get burned, and that's, I think, really the question is, they found out later in the season that right judge of not getting burned, allowing just enough to not allow too much, but uh, you can't get too scared and you play too conservative because when we saw Texas play conservative last season and earlier this season, that's where they started to get in trouble because they started to get too conservative on all their play calling and teams were able to hit them over the top because they were really trying to not allow a player over the top, but then they just kept going underneath, so you had to make an adjustment, and then they were hit you over the top. You have to be able to play strong the entire game. Uh, we also, uh, Nate says, uh, pretty clear why Sark handles the press conferences. Yes. Hey, but I'll tell you a positive thing about that, Nate. That means he's not taking another job as a head coach anytime soon. It doesn't appear because he doesn't necessarily want to talk. It's kind of like Lou Anarumo in, uh, in Cincinnati. You may just have a really good guy who doesn't necessarily want to be a head coach and stay as a DC. That's a good sign for Texas. Uh, seeing how well this defense is playing right now. That's not a bad thing. And you don't need to play Sugar Ray by uh, Fly by Sugar Ray. I agree. I'm not going to. If I was going to play any Sugar Bands, I would play the Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight. But uh, I'm not playing. These will be Sugar Songs. So I'm not going to do that. But you had to get some Def Leppard. I don't know if that was any better, Nate. I don't know if that was any better. Uh, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll get back to the text line, 512-447-3776. Uh, we'll also talk some NFL we will get in, uh, finish up talking a little bit about the uh, NBA games tonight. Uh, maybe play some sound from e- uh, Hook Em Up with Ian Robby. All that coming up in hour two of the Sports Complex right here on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app at hornfm.com.